a light treason news, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today. Oh, what a treat. By Meredith. Hello. How's it going? Um, it has been a weird little bit of afternoon. Yeah. I accidentally got on the subway going away from your apartment First instead of, all, of I got a like confident text from Meredith where she was like, I could be early if that's okay. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then 15 minutes later, follow-up text, I got on the wrong train. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, yeah, so I've been, I'm a little distracted. As I was saying right before we started recording, I'm just, I'm dealing with one of those, like, dudes in the workplace don't know how to be kind of situations. Mm, I'm and not familiar with that. Men are yeah. usually very respectful uh, and yeah. pick so, up on nonverbal cues. Well, yeah, or, or, or just verbal sort of cues. <laughs> Figure out that maybe it's not chill to send a text message to one of your freelance writers that says, you know, I think you're perfect, right? Oh, no, sir. There's literally no context in which I want anyone who isn't my partner mm -hmm. uh, or one of my uh, friends. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I would probably want. Yeah, I wouldn't want it from my straight male friends. Anybody else would be fine. But I literally, feel like if I yeah. called you perfect, you'd be like, the fuck did you say to me? <laughs> yeah, but not because I think you were hitting on me. No, just like, are you all right? <laughs> you'd be What's like, happening? I've been paying my bills on time lately, but Allison, <laughs> I think you know I'm not. <laughs> you know I'm not perfect. Did you mean perfect? disaster yes yeah. i sorry that text sent too soon yeah um, um so anyway just another reminder to anyone out there like please be professional when you're having professional or professional ish communications um unless there's some like explicit reason why that has it's been determined you're allowed to say that stuff and you know otherwise so wild? Like, also if you're a person who's dealt with this Man, do I feel like there's no way I can do this right. So if you're you've ever had to deal with it and still beat yourself up over what you did or didn't do, please don't. It is a fucked no. situation and it is really really hard to handle no matter how okay you're feeling. So Well, as you put it too, okay. I mean whether you're a full-time employee or like you're a contract employee like you, there there's also this implicit threat which is if I cross you and make you mad I get no money right and I can't pay my rent right but also at this point I would be willing to say I don't want to do this work anymore oh, because totally. I'm so uncomfortable absolutely um so it's a weird it's a weird thing yeah you know just your basic fun times being a woman in 2019 you know what's so wild like you are asking so very little that's the other thing where it's like, it, it doesn't take a lot to just be fucking professional. Mm -hmm. Like men, and I guess I'm talking to cis straight men, just talk to everybody like you would talk to other cis straight men. Yeah. Seriously. You know? It's the, it's that sort of semi-joking article that came around during the Me Too. It's like, just treat everyone like you would treat The Rock. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Amazing. Perfect um, advice. Forgot, yeah. Forget what I just said. And yeah, that's <laughs> that's the new advice. Treat everyone like you would treat The Rock is perfect advice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it is. I hate everyone. I'm sorry you're going through no, that. Thank you. I'll, I'll survive. I just like, I don't know. I need to burn an effigy or Ooh, something. Ooh, you want to burn something? Yeah, let's do it. I'm always down to burn stuff. Sweet. Let's get together. Um, you're wearing a great necklace your mom got you from yeah. Vietnam. Uh, she brought it back from being on vacation. My adorable 72-year-old parents spent three weeks in Vietnam. I love that they around. travel. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, they uh, they're really big on it, and I think it's adorable that they are so into it. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, also, my little sister is currently in Australia. She sent me a photo yesterday from the Wallaby Sanctuary <gasps> in Tasmania where she was hanging out. and Jealous. Uh, yeah, girl was in between, was flanked by two wallabies oh that were both eating out of her hands Ugh. with a grin on her face that made her, like, I've never seen her so happy in the 34 years she's been on I'm Earth. It's amazing. so jealous. I'm consumed with jealousy. I can't even speak. Um, guys, you're listening to Light Trees and News. We're a 100% listener-supported show. Guess whose birthday's coming up? Oh it's my me. God, is it you? And listen, I would never ask for memberships for my birthday because I'm a classy woman. But I would say if you're enjoying the show, if you've been enjoying it for a while, if you're currently a member and you're like, I could upgrade my membership, you can go to lighttreason.news or support my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. I just messaged my supporters over there. 
$5 a month uh, members, you get to send us a question that we'll answer on Light Trees and News. $10 a month members, you get to do the online hangout. And the next online hangout is March 10th. Guys, give money to Allison. Oh, you're so nice. Yeah. Oh, um, but, oh my God, Meredith is <laughs> showing me the photo of her sister. <laughs> she looks like the happiest woman yeah. on the earth. Yeah, she looks like she just found a, a place on earth that has <laughs> <Sorry>. no men. <laughs> I was braced for the wallabies. I wasn't braced for the pure joy on your sister's face. That is so great. Um Make also, Allison that happy, guys. Oh, Give my God. By, because, be my member. little wallabies. <laughs> be my little wallabies by signing up at my Patreon. We now have the name for your supporters. My if you are a wallabies. member, you listen to Light Treason Pod, you're the Light Treason Wallabies. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love. You used to be the, what was I calling them? The troublemakers. You were my little troublemakers, but now you're my little wallabies. So since I just posted for my Patreon supporters, we do have some Patreon questions that I wanted to get to. Let's do it. So, oh my God, where have they gone? Well, I remember one of them. What is with, oh, there, I was just about to say, what's wrong with my computer? And it was literally the first thing in my inbox. Wow, I'm out of it. So Max wrote in, oh, Max, with such an innocent question. They were like, have you seen the Umbrella Academy? You'll love it. I want, I know you and I know you love the Umbrella Academy. And oh, Max, I had to be like, I do not like the Umbrella Academy. And it, I think it's great people like it. I don't want to, you know, shit on anything anyone loves. But, you know, I do have my own personal preferences. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. I think largely because you told me you <laughs> did not like it so I'm much. such a bad person. You should watch it and form your own opinion. But yeah, I think I... Should I really? I don't know if you'd like it. Like knowing you, but maybe just see it and see if I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm probably not going to do okay. that. So I guess just um, general spoiler alert, because I don't know if I'm going to say something that will ruin it for everyone. So skip ahead to the music cue if you want to avoid. But oh, I do not like this show, Meredith. It feels like it would have been edgy 20 years ago. Oh, okay. Um, truly, it's like, there's a boy wearing eyeliner. Can you believe it? Uh, um, and then there's a character named Diego who... I think we're supposed to find charming. Yeah. And truly all he does is go to crime scenes and undermine his ex-girlfriend who's a detective. Mm. And we're supposed to find this charming, I guess. Um, eventually, the very end of the series, truly the last two episodes, finally get interesting. Interesting things start to happen. And one of the interesting things that happens is they start to explore how the emotional abuse of this Charles Xavier type mm -hmm. character has emotionally stunted the men uh, of this weird family. Yeah. That's when it finally starts to get interesting, but truly it takes eight episodes to get there. And I'm like, I cannot handle this. Oh God, Netflix bloat is so real. I'm like, how do you guys get to the, you manage to keep all of the interesting stuff and you don't cover that. And then you give us six episodes of like, boring road trips or yeah. like side characters or like useless flashbacks this is just going off of literally every other comic book developed series uh -huh. that netflix did and also p.s a lot of them have started to get canceled because people don't want to watch all the yeah. bloat um i will say it's especially frustrating to watch something like a umbrella academy which every hour long episode feels like two hours mm -hmm. after watching something like russian doll yeah which i was like this Russian doll is so much more complex. The characters are so much deeper and it's half an hour episodes. Yeah. That is perfect writing. Umbrella Academy is the opposite. Truly horrific writing. Yeah. It's like predominantly three white men who write it, first of all. So everybody writing me who's like, Robert Sheehan pretends to be gay in it. Aren't you cool with that? And it's like, no, I'm, <laughs> really, I'm not. I mean, if I wanted to see Robert Sheehan in a comic book thing, I'd watch Misfits again. Yeah. Which he's terrific in. I love me Robert Sheehan, but like him playing gay isn't enticing to me, especially mm -hmm. at a time when we're talking more about straight actors playing gay and yeah. if, if that's cool or not. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think it's not cool. And it's well, and if you've ever watched even a single episode of The Magicians, you've seen that Hale Applebaum is a clearly, his, well, is an admittedly queer person who's playing a frequently eyelinered, extremely queer character. Mm -hmm. um, Elliot Forever, he's the best. Uh, I do love Elliot. Yeah. yeah, so you have to. It's like there, it's there aren't. There's not a dearth of actors you can find to be on a Netflix 
or cable television show who are not straight and would play not straight. Yeah, this so is, like, I guess difficult. that makes me very hypocritical because while I'm like whatever about Robert Sheehan playing gay, and I should mention too, Robert Sheehan for many, many years sort of played very coy about his sexuality, mm-hmm. but has since dated exclusively women. So I think it's safe to call him straight, but I don't want to mislabel him. Um, but one of my recommendations I wanted to give in the pop culture section is The Magicians. Yeah. And I have no problem with Elliot. So, like, yeah. clearly that's a, a glaringly hypocritical, uh, or hypocritical, <laughs> <laughs> hypocritical stance on, on my part. But, yeah, for, I, again, I think it always goes back to writing. Yeah. You know, like, The Magicians, that's one of the best pilots I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, it is really, really good. Um, again, incredibly dense. Yeah. Um, an incredibly complex world they're trying to introduce to you with an enormous amount of source material that's pretty, like really beloved, mm-hmm. which is also similar to the Umbrella Academy, exactly. which is has all of that stuff. And you and it granted the pilot submission is great. The first season has a lot of stuff that is extremely bad. Okay, so no like, spoilers because I'm like four or five episodes into the okay. first well, season. Like, I find that the first season has a lot of stuff that's really bad, and that no spoilers, but an encouraging bit of information as you get going. And the writers realize that the ensemble and the supporting characters have interesting journeys and uh, main character, floppy boy, floppy hair boy. Oh, Q? Uh, yeah, Q. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is more interesting when he's dealing with them or sort of like interacting with them and his Great. feelings are about his relationships with them rather I, than I like, say like being special boy. Then it gets way, it's super, super interesting. See, that's interesting you say that, the whole special boy thing because that again is one of my main uh, beefs with the Umbrella Academy. I do not care about these characters. Yeah. Like truly, especially the women up mm-hmm. until episode eight, I'd say. Allison and Vanya are wallpaper. Yeah. I do not care about them. Luther, who gives a shit? His like big muscly suit looks awful. There's a couple scenes where people hug him and you can see the padding compress on it. it like atrocious. Mm-hmm. It looks so bad. Um, like I said, Klaus maybe would have been edgy 20 years ago, but they finally give him interesting stuff. The final two episodes, it's not explored nearly as much as it should be. He has this whole romantic arc with a soldier he meets when he time travels. We barely know what the hell that is. Like, uh, really, a guy emerges in the middle of a like tent in Vietnam of soldiers, and no one asks, "Where the fuck did you come from?" Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, uh, suddenly appearing in the midst of a battlefield is considered poor form. He sort of it tries to explain it by saying, or the writers try to explain it by saying, they just needed bodies. But I'm like, yeah, even but even in that case, they did need bodies in Vietnam. I mean, they still had to import them <laughs> from other places. Where the and fuck did you come from? <laughs> There's just weird moments like that in Umbrella Academy that I think like hardcore fans try to pass off as like, yeah, the universe is just weird and cool. And I'm like, no, this is bad writing. No. Why is there a television in the back of that ambulance for him to find out a key piece of information that makes no fucking sense i'm so not gonna watch this it's really but anyway so like yeah back to the magicians which i did want to recommend to everyone i'm obsessed with this show i started watching it when the yeah i started as soon as the third season came out i went back to the beginning because i'd never seen it before and i tore through it i loved it so goddamn much yeah, I the reason I keep linking it in my mind between the magicians and Umbrella Academy is Q's another character from the magicians who you think would annoy the shit out of me, and yet the writing is so good. That actor is phenomenal. He is really good. Also married to uh, Mrs. Maisel. Shut up. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah, what a couple. I know. My God, adorable, right? Although I heard that show also went off the rails. Oh, um, I only watched a few episodes, but they go to Paris in the first episode, and I was like, I want to die right now, and I want to take all of these candy-colored <laughs> assholes with me. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Uh, but what a couple. So jealous. Yeah, um, Q's great. I even like damaged, uh, damaged blonde-haired nerd girl. Totally. I thought she she brings a lot to a character who could be. Again, Mm -hmm. wallpaper. Yeah. Um, It is also, this is just a small thing, but it's definitely a thing that uh, has made me incredibly happy watching Umbrella Academy is that, or not Umbrella, uh, Magicians, Magicians, is that it's so connected to like Canadian television that I've now seen, like there are just, every episode has at least one actor in it that I've seen in many other things that are also filmed in like Canada where I'm just like, wait a minute, was that person on, they were on an episode of Supernatural in episodes or like an episode in like season seven. Oh my God. Uh, I feel like there's something 
there's something like six degrees of Olivia Coleman that we could play where it's like linking all of these Canadian shows mm-hmm. and all these UK shows. Well, it, it's happened since I started watching Stargate Universe as well, Ooh, which is yeah. really doing it for me. Um, it's like Battlestar Galactica, but with wormholes and also it's just incredibly derivative but it's got the guy who played uh Begbie in Trainspotting Robert Carlyle or oh, so nice. it's like hello yes you're yes. Scottish and amazing oh, um but it's yes just... I I have now been very carefully watching it and I'm like that person was on Battlestar and that person was on Battlestar <laughs> and, and you're all on Battlestar yeah. look under your seat everyone's been on Battlestar Galactica yeah. unfortunate connection to bad thing from the Oscars one of the actresses who has shown up on this list and is will eventually be on The Magicians, um, was the wife and the husband-wife producing team that did the um, short film that was about, like, races and bad people. Like, the they did the short film called Skin, where, like, a guy who's a Nazi is mean to a black guy, and then, the, like, a bunch of black people kidnap him and tattoo his whole body so he looks black, and then his kid shoots him. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, that won an Oscar. What? I, I did not even know that was a movie. Yeah, I mean, it's a short film, but yes, it is. Um, that's the plot. That's the whole plot. Okay. And um, and so she was up on stage being like, we just, we're like, our five-month-old daughter is at home, and we just wanted to grow up in a world where people look beyond the color of people's skin. And I was like, I'm sorry, did you say they tattoo his entire body so he looks black? Like, uh, what? What? Here's the thing, like the Academy's been trying so hard to have a more diverse body, but I feel like two thirds of it still needs to die. I mean, I'm like, who is voting for these fucking movies? I have seen significantly more uh, thoughtful explorations of uh, questions of privilege. Like Quantum Leap did that shit better in the 80s. Yeah. When Scott Bakula like would jump into a, a body of a woman or a black person. Like very, yes, exactly. When... When Scott Bakula was responsible for more sensitive portrayals of right, like because he never dressed up person. as those people, right? Those were portrayed by other actors, right? Yeah, that's a huge difference. Yeah. So every time he looks in the mirror, he sees the other actor, and so it's like, but he has to play being like respect. But yes, right. You see this stuff. I'm like, uh huh, great, good, good job, guys. But okay, oh, yes. Can I say the- one nice thing about Umbrella Academy? Yeah, because there is truly a great. First of all, the last two episodes are great out of nowhere but Mm -hmm. it does not make the series worthwhile overall but i'm very interested in the second season to Mm -hmm. see what they do the one one redeeming character and yes i know about mary j blige people are in love with mary j blige as cha-cha it truly seemed like they were just like feeding her her lines through an earpiece oh yeah like there's a moment where she is like um she has a wound on her arm and she's holding a a curling iron to it and she's not reacting. And I'm just like, what is happening? I was genuinely confused where I was like, is Cha-Cha's thing that she doesn't feel pain? But I don't think it is. So I was like, so Mary J. Blige just was not acting in that scene and they used it. And I was, oh, it was frustrating. But like people keep using her gifts to be like, Mm. you didn't like this. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. Well, Um, I'm sorry. This is, yeah, well, I guess you're, but you're correct. I'm almost certain you're correct. But the nice thing I want to say about one of the characters, uh, there's a character named Five who's played by a young actor. Uh, Oh God, is it Aiden Gallagher? I'll check right now. But um he is so good and the character is really good and I truly just kept watching for this character uh, to find a child actor who can play uh, a 50 year old man basically yeah Aiden Gallagher so he's a kid whose ability is time traveling he travels uh, he loses himself and then he comes back and by the time he comes back he's 50 so he's a 50 year old man in a child's body how do you cast that, you know? And he does such a wonderful job. Like, truly, when you look into this kid's eyes, it's the eyes of a 50-year-old man. And it's uncanny. It's so cool. Uh, I love him. He does a great job. So I'll say, if you're on the fence and you're like, but I wanted to watch it, and I'm, like, actively talking you out mm-hmm. of it right now, maybe watch it for five. Man. Um, do we have time for me to do one random recommendation? Always, for yes. Okay. So this is one of those weird things that I discovered through the Shout Factory TV app on my Roku, which I believe you can access some of the content either on YouTube or in other places. But um, there's a whole section where they do just weird Marx Brothers uh, appearances on television. Oh, cool. So they have 
tons and tons of episodes of, of You Bet Your Life, which is hosted by Groucho Marx. And he has weird people like, I'm a nuclear engineer who was just working at this like classified location. Or like, I'm a person who just is like, I'm a chess master. Uh, but they also have an episode that's like, the world, the wonderful world of toys, which is an actual special from 1961 with Harpo Marx and a young Carol Burnett. Oh my god! And they just walk around. They are filming in Central Park, so you see them playing with these enormous, uh, you know, construction toys, and there are animatronic uh, animals and dolls and. At one point, one of the Gabor sisters makes a guest oh spot. God. There's a whole little like science kit section with Rube Goldberg wow. actually like listening to like little boys cool. uh, going through. He's like, I've got a chemistry set. And they're set up in the little chess tables in one of the parks. It's amazing. And also you have Harpo Marx like plays the harp at one point that and is it's just so generally cool. being ancient, but also hilarious it's wild to me that like i didn't even know that show existed and that I those would... people like interacted at some point oh yeah and i mean it's you see like you know and she's so young yeah of course uh and just walking around with harpo and he's doing his perpetual silent clown thing and it, but it was just charming as all get out and weird and but just glorious so i would it also just say if you have access to some of this stuff, go watch some of the weird Marx Brothers stuff then when they were on television because I watched a strange old game show where the mom from Lassie is answering quiz questions, like trivia questions and sitting next to Groucho Marx just like bawling out and getting all of the answers right and Groucho's just like riffing and she just sort of keeps looking at him like, all right, whatevs. Like, and then just goes back to it. That is so cool. Man, Carol Burnett is one of those people who was just born at such a weird trans like transformative period in mm -hmm. American pop culture and also has been so talented and so successful for so many years yeah. that she truly, she's like Forrest Gump. Like she's at every period of American history. And you're oh like, my God. she's still there? And it's like, yeah. yeah. And she was thriving. <laughs> oh yeah. The best the best moment in the entire toy special is when she's got a, there's like a ball and she picks up a bat and she swings and she misses. And then she just shrugs and says, what do you expect from a girl? And then just keeps on going. And even on her face, she's just like, I can't believe I'm fucking doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love. All right, guys, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. So I guess I could have put this in the pop culture section, but it's such a cultural, I mean, phenomenon, not in a good way. We can talk about it in the bad news section. Uh, Green Book won the uh, Best Picture Award at the Oscars. In the same way that Green Book feels like it could have been made 35 years ago, I feel like the Oscars were 35 years ago and not on Sunday. Mm, yeah, I agree. For reasons that we'll talk about yeah. <laughs> coming up. Um, yeah, I didn't have much to say about this. I think uh, Katie was co-hosting with me when we made our Oscar predictions. And I think we predicted Green Book or Bohemian Rhapsody just because we knew it would be a shit show. Mm -hmm. And we were like, one of the movies that doesn't deserve it will win. Roma should win. It will not win. <laughs> um, but yeah, I it, this is a travesty. <laughs> it's, it's not good. I think there's few... There's few films that are more illustrative of the cultural divide and I think um, age divide as well as who enjoyed Green Book and who did not. Yeah. And like if you ask a ba baby boomer or older if they liked Green Book, they loved it and they truly don't get why you don't like it and they think you're mean for not liking it. Yeah, it's like, but it was charming and kind of funny and it's just about friendship, but no they don't get why it's insidious well of course because they were alive during that time and were inoculated and protected from the worst problems so right. it would you know they had no idea that the green book was a real thing that started out as a book to help families travel to new york city not mm. just not the south right right uh that you know to them they're just like oh it reminds me of literally a family member posted this on facebook oh, no. they said it reminds me of you know going on drives through the country with my family when i was a kid that's not what it is like, that's not it's like the 
scenes of driving were not the point. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, not only that, you know, like um, Don Shirley's family not supporting the film. But like if you bring the that up Oscar to someone. The Oscar winning writer of this film not only has posted a lot of things about anti-Muslim, like yep. anti-Muslim things on Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and also it's bad news because his his follow-up film is going to be called That's, That's Amore. Amore. Oh, it's going to be such a shit show. Oh my God. I hate this guy. Yeah. yeah. He, he got into showbiz because he was being a bouncer and he always heard stories from his pops about driving around this jazz man. Mr. Vellalonga. Like, I know who this family is and I was like, I don't trust any of you. Um, y'all lived in North Jersey. You're neighbors with my family. <laughs> I don't yeah. trust you. Yeah. Um, Some, yeah. Somebody moved out of the Bronx and they went to Staten Island and now that's <laughs> considered a long trip for a holiday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, Don Shirley's family, you know, famously didn't support the film. Symphony of Lies. Bullshit. Yeah. His family member called it. That's much more eloquent than what I just said. <laughs> that it was total bullshit. And yeah, gross. Gross, gross, gross. But I think, yeah, there's just these relics in the Academy who keep voting for this shit but i don't want to say like young people aren't voting for it too i just think that there's a lot um more younger diverse people in the academy right now who are like what the fuck how do these films keep winning well and there's also there's all these like strange opaque issues about who gets to vote for best picture and who gets to vote for different categories um what kind of connection you have to it like people have to it who are members of the academy and allowed to weigh in um, you know, I when I was writing about the nominations um, for, in a piece I did for NBC, uh, definitely was you know clear that things like Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book were examples of uh, voters who felt like they'd given enough by letting new members in by, uh, you know, thinking, you know, they were still just looking for the most pleasing, right. most pleasant experience. Right. And so the opportunity to reward something that has a quote unquote message while also doesn't challenge anything about their actual belief system or require any uncomfortable work is always going to be more popular than something that makes them feel a little weird. And also that we can't like institutional racism doesn't care about your personal friendships. Right. Like you're the fact that you befriended your driver um, or you're a driver who befriended your, your passenger of a different race means absolutely jack shit in the scheme of institutional racism. Well, and what we've learned from what happened, I don't know, whatever, 7,000 years ago this week when uh, Michael Cohen was testifying before Congress, there was a whole lot of moments where they were like, look, there's that black lady that I know, you yep. know, can't be, he's like, this person can't be racist. And I was like, no, you have a black friend. We have covered this before. Right. It is not... This, it does not mean you are not racist and it does not mean that you are not complicit in the system that crushes people who are, uh, you know, willing to challenge white supremacy. So you teased it a little bit just in that moment. But should we talk about Michael Cohen? I mean, sure. I, I was going to I didn't know where to put this because I was like, I guess it's good news. But is it? Yeah, I, I don't like, know. I'm like anything at this point that is a, 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 a strike against Trump, I guess, is technically good news. But it's also, to my mind, bad news because a lot of people were trying to pretend like something explosive was happening when it was really <laughs> just a boring as fuck congressional hearing where people who were trying to score easy grandstanding points were talking to a uh, racist piece of shit scamming opportunist. Yeah, the, the fact watching Michael yeah. Cohen trying to distinguish himself from Trump and claim that like, like saying things like, I lied, but I'm not a liar. Yeah, that's not like, how words Michael, work. Michael, that's the definition of a liar. A liar lies and you lied. So like... <laughs> On the one hand, I was sort of like, yes, anything that diminishes Trump's standing and makes him vulnerable to further prosecutions, great. But is this it? Um, I don't think so. I think Michael Cohen has almost zero credibility. Yeah. Um, the fact that he was making these absurd statements and, and trying to distance himself from Trump when he actively worked for him for so long mm -hmm. and now it just doesn't serve him anymore and so he's like i'm a father it's like go fuck yourself dude you were a father when this was all happening you were a creepy father too true yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i think i don't know i consider it to be bad news because it's more you know it's more sound and fury signifying nothing to get really highbrow about how useless I think most of this political theater is. Mm -hmm. Like, we're still living, you know, we've still got all of the horrible things that are happening and, like, people really struggling and suffering and 
there are so many people who pretend like this shit and like the Mueller investigation are actually going to lead to something concrete <sighs> when it's just so obvious that it's not mm. and that we're using our energy in, you know, I don't normally like to say like, oh, well, we're wasting energy on this and they should be doing this other stuff instead. But on some level, I think there is a lot of this that just ends up being... You mean when we could be like focusing on climate change? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just like, it's an opportunity for all of us to get exhausted by the constant deluge of information without getting like I haven't been able to find anyone who can give me a recap of his testimony that included anything that actually seemed crucial I didn't know like, like I truly we know everything like, yeah. in it yeah like the, he, he calls Trump a racist it's like no shit yeah um yeah I think I think it was largely just like a fap opportunity for people who already hate Trump because it's mm -hmm. like oh he's saying all these mean things about him that are true yeah uh and it feels good but it's sort of like yeah mm -hmm. and it like it feels good to see like you know especially representatives who are women of color get to grill him <clears throat> but again like ultimately Mm -hmm. what progress is yeah. being made. Well, and while all that was happening, you know, CPAC is happening right now. Oh, that CPAC. Is some serious bad news oh, happening CPAC. there. Uh, um, yeah, I'm not following it closely this year. I mean, the reason why I bring it up in the bad news section is because um, to go along with the really dangerous uh, and frightening rhetoric that Republicans have been throwing out there around um, abortions of all kinds and especially uh, abortions that take place later on in pregnancy, mm -hmm. like, you know, after 20 weeks, essentially, sometimes even earlier than that. But generally speaking, when they're talking about uh, 20 weeks, uh, Scott Walker said at CPAC, uh, just making up blatant lies about abortion, saying sometimes the babies are delivered in the hospital and then taken home and then they're aborted, which Jesus. is literally physically impossible because if your baby is delivered in a hospital and you take it home and kill it, that's infanticide, which is a crime. That is a crime? That is it a crime that will send you to jail. Yeah. Also, uh, I'm glad they're throwing around this um, type of rhetoric. It's not as though any right-wing extreme have ever like I don't know killed an abortion doctor well, before yeah and I mean uh, Trump said something similar um, I saw this is that there, yeah. no, but there has been this movement in the last couple weeks since the Virginia conversation where you know they the Republicans are spewing absolute garbage that is about you know where they're you know but they're conflating abortion with infanticide and of course, the only purpose of that is to link the two things in people's minds, regardless of the fact that absolutely no one is calling for infanticide. And let's face it, who are the who are the babies that have died uh, recently? I'm pretty sure they were in U.S. custody because they were babies in baby jails. Oh, and if they weren't being killed, they were being uh, sexually uh, sexually molested. abused. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've we've got. You know, the Republican administration's doing some pretty good crimes, pretty solid crimes I mean, against babies and children. That is yeah. so frightening because that was the whole purpose behind the brainwashing mantra of George Tiller, the baby killer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and yeah, Bill O'Reilly is is directly can be directly connected to George Tiller's eventual murder mm -hmm. um, because he went on his show and ever and talked about him over multiple times and over, over and over, calling him a baby killer and. You you do not does not need to be you know, nobody needs to overstate it. There is a connection there. It doesn't you know we don't need to go all the way to causality. It's like he talked about it. That yeah. was a he was made a target because of Bill O'Reilly's rhetoric. Absolutely. And like many people, abortion providers and other reproductive health activists have pointed out all week, and since this has become an issue, that this is like people are going to be killed because yes. of this like absolutely their lives of people who work in abortion and reproductive health clinics are going to be killed i think now more than ever the threat is so high because now there's an administration who's basically given them the all clear well right um yeah well i mean they tried to they did their executive order that's going to strip all funding title mm -hmm. 10 funds from any reproductive health center that refers for an abortion right. not just performs them so it's like if somebody needs to be sent to another clinic even talking about it mm -hmm. is enough to get you uh, your entire organization stripped of, right. of federal funds and mike pence is a lunatic oh absolutely <laughs> this is how there was a aids outbreak in <laughs> a public indiana. health crisis in indiana yeah this is literally how that happened yep. um so we're gonna see that 
playing out in different ways. But yes, this is uh, at a time. So yeah, women are now going to be in danger of getting really important, totally unrelated to actual abortion healthcare and uh, doctors and nurses are going to have their lives in danger because of it. Um, and so that's happening at CPAC uh, while wow. there people are saying other things. Well, too. I mentioned climate change before and I wanted to get to this viral moment of Diane <laughs> Feinstein oh my God. yelling at children hey. who were basically like, hey, we, we were wondering if you would support the Green uh, New Deal because we're children and we're scared about the future of the planet. And she's just a fucking monster to these kids. Oh my God. She is so condescending and Ugh. so dismissive she said you know what's interesting about this group i've been doing this for 30 years i know what i'm doing you come in here and you say it has to be my way or the highway i don't respond to that i've gotten elected i just run i just ran i was elected by almost a million vote plurality and i know what i'm doing so you know maybe people should listen a little bit and uh, do you is that New Yorker piece the one that's written by Bill McKibben? Uh, might be. Let's see. Yep. Yeah. So Bill McKibben is a extremely well respected uh, climate activist and has been essential in sounding the alarm on how dire our situation is. There's a great moment later in that piece where he says, "Look, if you're talking about a minimum wage increase, mm. talking about politics and how things get done." It's like she may have had a point, but she's not dealing like what these kids are asking her to do is face the reality of science and physics. And right. you can't you know, there's no there's no negotiating with the physical like with the physical world. Mm. Like it, you do the thing. And things are are not, you know, something, ha you do the thing and we don't all die of miserable, right, starved, right. overheated death. Or you don't do the thing and the children you're speaking to are going to be doomed to a much more dire and frustrating existence. And her treating it like it has to be something that's about the functionality of the Senate or about working on like what a political reality is I mean she was she was talking about something that was so completely different from what the kids were talking about it was offensive to to see people defend her for trying you know it's like oh well if you watch the full video you saw that it wasn't nearly that bad it was deceptively edited and that was absolute bullshit it, that was frustrating and also it was frustrating to see people attack the adults who were there yeah. in support of the kids and to attack the kids like labeling them as pawns yeah here's the thing about climate change it doesn't require sophisticated thinking to understand the threat to the planet right so it's fully believable that the kids giving the bare minimum of facts would understand this is really scary and i want to make sure adults are doing something to stop this so i have an i have a chance as an adult right that doesn't require a huge amount of like complex thinking well and it's so offensive that anytime children mobilize and talk about issues that worry them, the first response that people have is, how dare you take advantage of these children? They are, like, to, to treat them like they're too stupid and right. too young to have any concept of what they're doing. Right. And, you know, we're, like, we get a whole fucking Esquire cover story on some unremarkable white idiot child <laughs> in Wisconsin who's like Meredith, having he's sad he's having a sad because people like he feels like people don't respect his conservative views but he oh, gets no. to be treated like a real person right but it or or like a child who like wants to go scream at a uh, at an abortion clinic is treated like someone who uh is a like is a special like is just upstanding and moral right but a child who is genuinely concerned about the fact that they won't be able to have, like they might not be able to be a parent in the future because the world is in such shambles that it would be impossible. Right. Or they're poisoned and so they won't actually live to a reasonably old age because the environment is toxic. There you go, kids. <laughs> you can look forward to that. Maybe you'll all be poisoned and die before the real effects of climate change affect us. Um, huh? Yeah, it was like a really beautiful one-two punch of people defending Feinstein for uh, standing up to, as Caitlin Flanagan called them in the Atlantic, jackbooted tots. <laughs> Which just makes me wonder what kind of tater tot dish that would be that was at a immediately bar. my first thought. Um, <laughs> would it be with like sauerkraut, a uh, la German stuff? Yep. 
Yeah. Oh God, I'm so sorry. That's like actually a really bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was on theme. Uh, <laughs> and then also people defending Amy Klobuchar for being a terrible boss, saying, mm-hmm. "Well, you know, just being tough is isn't doesn't make you bad." And this is gendered. And I was like, "No, being a bad boss is bad, whether you've got a vagina or not." Yeah. Like, so let's close out the bad news section with uh, the North Korea summit uh, between the U.S. and North Korea going fucking nowhere. Uh, unsurprising. Mm-hmm. Why is this? I, Meredith, I need you to explain my brain to me, okay? Why is this not even in the top five of things I'm worried about? Um, Should it be? Should I be more worried about this? No. I mean, no. I, I, why, feel, like, like, I, I feel like... All right. And maybe this is me just having too much blind faith in like backdoor negotiations and stuff like that. I feel like there has been so much fear mongering around North Korea having the bomb for so long. And we're going to sell a nuclear weapon to Saudi Arabia before anything happens with North Korea. This is what I mean. Like I have more prioritized fears about the bomb in other countries, like I'm more concerned with what's happening between India and Pakistan right now. I was right going to say, India and Pakistan's kind of having a really tense moment. At yeah. The, like they're, that scares me. Oh, yeah. No, you should absolutely be afraid anytime shots are fired uh, between Pakistan and India in Kashmir. That is yeah. uh, like, that's also a thing I really was convinced might have been left in the 80s and early 90s, but apparently not. Right. You know? But uh, like, as yeah. you said, Saudi Arabia having the bomb, Israel having the bomb. Mm-hmm. Like, these things scare me more than what's happening in North Korea. Maybe that's just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't know enough about the situation in North Korea, but I didn't, I know some people who were like terrified by this. And I was just sort of like, man, if that scares you, did you read the 2050 climate change report that just came out? Yeah, I think, and I, I wish it's it just, I don't want to discount the severity, like sure. the seriousness of, of North Korea being a, a wild card and having a really frightening, uh, you know, the leader. Um, but there's something about it that I have, I guess I have some faith in other powers in the region. Like this this is what I mean. I I always know that there are these back negotiations happening Mm -hmm. among multiple countries. Maybe I have too much blind faith in that, but I just like, you know, being a fan of history, it's happened so many times in the past where there are always negotiations going on. Yeah. Like these also, high profile like, negotiations yeah. that fall through. It's like, that's not the only thing that's happening right now. Well, right. And I guess like it's become so clear in the last several months that the rest of the world has just realized that there's no point in dealing with Trump and that they should yeah. get things done on their yes, own. Exactly. That I'm relative. I don't know. And this is again, this is me wildly speculating. So don't take my word for it. We're going to be vaporized after I hit publish on this. Episode. As long as it's fast, <laughs> I am fine with it. Um, I, you know, I think that the rest of the world and the powers that the large scale global superpowers have just started doing the work themselves. So Trump can have his high profile meetings and he can schedule summits and they can talk about things. And ultimately it's just two mad men flattering each other. Totally. It's like if, um, I'm just, I don't know. It's like if, if Saddam Hussein and Muammar Gaddafi were like kicking it poolside in (laughs) Libya at some point, Mm -hmm. like in 1993. Sure. Both, that's both wearing thong flip-flops in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, I'm just imagining like two, it's just like two fat despots like mm-hmm. play acting at diplomacy yep. when the rest of the world is actually doing the hard work. Exactly. Uh, and I guess the one truly negative aspect of all, I mean, obviously the negotiations collapsing is negative, but another aspect in the bad news section is the White House barred four American journalists from covering Trump's dinner with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in Hanoi, Vietnam, after two of the reporters called out questions to Trump at an earlier appearance. And he did not like their questions, so he banned them. Um, So that is definitely not good. Yeah. I mean, I, yes, I am not, I, I guess I, there's, I've become so cynical about a lot of this stuff that in some way I'm just like, yep, that tracks. Yeah. Um, But I also think, okay, this is, if I, if I had faith in anyone in the administration's ability to actually do something, um, 
aside from damage America's standing in the world and diminish our power, mm-hmm. uh, then I might be more worried. But yeah. I, I guess like there's a lot of this stuff and, and this has become the big thing because nobody else will fucking talk to him. And so mm-hmm. this is basically like he called everybody and Kim Jong-un was the only person who's like, yeah, I want to chat. Like, right. Let's hang out, man. Yeah. I guess, you know, for Kim Jong-un, it like, it's great for him because it legitimizes him. Right. Exactly. Raises his profile. He finally gets the big boy respect he's been craving. Exactly. Um, And sort of for Trump too, because he's yeah. like another big world leader wants to meet with me. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Th- this just scares me because in my top, like 10 disaster scenarios one i can easily envision is trump has vilified the press so much the the shooting up of the of um a news station or something that that is a very realistic possibility to me yes um but i also think that that is something that will happen not as a result of international co- I mean I guess like yeah. it'll be there's this is the sort of thing that comes from like the constant tweeting and like talking to Sean Hannity more than it's going to cause yeah, from I think, it, I think it's all part of reporters. it like yeah. banning them from uh, press conferences uh, continuing to call them the enemy of the people it's all part of this movement to portray the press as the enemy and it's mm-hmm. been very very successful um, so that scares me. I know. Mm-hmm. To be fair, though, mm-hmm. I also kind of hate the press now. And I... <laughs> um, Meredith, are you, are you going mad on me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to imagine, like make america goo goo dolls again <laughs> like <laughs> like what version of maga you are yeah yeah i was trying to come I up make with make america gorgeous again <laughs> that's me makeovers for everyone <laughs> yeah i i think it's mostly just me being exhausted for sure <laughs> guys that's enough bad news it's that time of the show let's all jump up and down here's your good news All right. So in good news, I wanted to talk about Jay is uh, Inslee declaring his 2020 bid for the presidency. And he is the first candidate to launch his campaign based entirely on a platform of combating climate change. I you know, I know you were just joking that I was going to say this isn't good news, but I kind of think it is. I mean, it. We're going to have an overstuffed clown car of yes. a democratic field. It's going to be you know. what the GOP was yeah. uh, during Hillary and Trump, which um, is like everybody made a joke like, oh, they'll all eat themselves because there's 20 of gonna them. It's going to be so much lamer because we don't have anyone nearly as crazy. <laughs> um, but I and I mean, I also wrote about this for NBC, uh, just about how exhausted I am by 2020 already. Uh, but I think that if we're going to have a really stuffed wide open field full of people with like launching doomed bids for the presidency, if like having like launching it and saying this is the only issue that matters and this is what we should talk about is really smart Yes, because then like rather than the sort of ego boosting bullshit of this, it's like Jay Inslee knows he's not going to win. He knows he's probably going to, you know, he'll be lucky to make it to one of the debates for sure. But if every if now there is a reporter that has to cover him yep. semi frequently, yep. there is going to be a news story on political websites and through the national media that focuses on him discussing the pressing climate apocalypse that we're facing and that in itself is just a there's no downside to that and if he gets into the debates which hopefully he will every other democratic candidate will have to respond to him right well and and also by doing this everyone has to take the issue seriously in a way that they might be able to avoid like or otherwise where people say of course i believe you know climate change is real now he can force the issue to say i know we all know it's real how are you going to exactly like deal with the fact that we have 12 years to keep ourselves from going off a cliff of terrible consequences that is like abs- like 
will threaten yeah. all life, like all life on earth. By the way, twelve years. I've heard ten years. Yeah, Two. I mean, twelve is like twelve was the number that they gave, and then every time there's been a prediction of, of how it gets long worse. we have, yeah. it turns out that we reach the bad milestone significantly faster than mm-hmm. expected. So, and that things yeah. keep happening that we couldn't have predicted that are this further accelerating, right? It because we've never dealt with this before. So it's like as soon as like all of a sudden some iceberg. Uh, breaks off and they're like oh we did not realize that that was going to end up leading to the entire collapse of this ice shell everything and they're like okay it's happening five years sooner than we thought but yeah Um, i think uh, it's great and we need people to to launch this um you know especially since i think that everybody who's considered to be a serious candidate right now is doing an absolute dereliction of their duty by not talking about it more Mm -hmm. and not just saying I support a green new deal or just sort of like nodding to it being important. Like it is unconscionable to me that there are so many people already in the race and they were clearly considering it for a long time and they don't have a detailed, uh, and you know, sharply focused plan on how to do this. And I think that like you just should have, like why you know yeah i was like this is why we're all gonna die yeah like (laughs) yeah and like i i don't know anything else about jay inslee but this is one of the rare exceptions where i would be okay with him being a one issue candidate Mm -hmm. because as you said he's not gonna win yeah if he could just fuck shit up in every single debate where he's like as you said holds people accountable where he's like okay you said it's real what are you gonna do to stop it well and i i think there's a difference about being like there's it's different being a single issue candidate around climate change versus being a single issue candidate around the 999 tax plan yeah yeah exactly um, what a permit cane reference uh <laughs> there's one like- person going <laughs> nuts right now a real <laughs> a real cane head who's like oh my god it's happening yeah uh so i also wanted to shout out natasha leonard over at the intercept who has a piece about new york's effort to decriminalize sex work also shout out melissa Gira grant yes. at the appeal who had the exclusive on the launch of decrim ny Ooh, a melissa of course it's melissa it's always melissa if you ever have questions or you want to read coverage of sex work in general but especially like sex work legislation um follow melissa Gira grant on twitter what are yeah. you doing She's great. Uh, so yeah, um, Natasha wrote about Decrim and why um, and the rally they held on February 25th, announcing uh, new organizing and legislation to decriminalize sex work in New York State. Um, and people like committee member uh, Cecilia Gentili were there. And yeah, I mean, obviously this is a good thing. Um, Decrim NY has a coalition of over 20 organizations pushing for the full decriminalization of sex work, the decarceration of sex workers, and the destigmatization of sex work, uh, the decarceration, uh, oh, I'm reading the same thing again. Guys, it's been a long day. And yeah, so this is great. Uh, yeah, and not only are they did they launch, uh, they already have members of the New York State Legislature and State Senate who have uh, who are introducing bills to decriminalize and have very uh, who are like very active supporters of the people who are um, uh, you know the the people who are part of the decrim NY. So they you know these people are doing some great work and have put a lot of like a fuck ton of effort into bringing this around. And I think there's um, there's just nothing but good shit happening. Yeah. And then also this is um, something I wanted to talk about just because I thought it was very cool, but also <clears throat> illustrative of a larger problem that a lot of people deal with. So Selma Blair recently came out as um, saying that she has multiple sclerosis and that she's been suffering um, quietly for a number of years because mm-hmm. it took her a long time to get diagnosed because yeah. she was suffering from some of the the vaguer symptoms mm-hmm. of multiple scler- yeah. sclerosis, which was intense fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of shame that went along with it because she's a single mother. Right. Well, and, and MS is really difficult to diagnose as yes. it is because it doesn't, there's not a test for it like you think of there being a test for cancer. Like it's a, I think it's, you have to get a differential diagnosis where yeah. you eliminate things and then someone says, oh, well maybe this is it. And then they also, can do more tests if for you look it. at the list of symptoms for it, they're so 
wide ranging. Yeah. It is really, really hard to diagnose. Yeah. So but what happens when there's a woman who yeah. uh, is having uh, like having fatigue. problems like fatigue or dropping objects? And yeah, stuff, feeling yeah. clumsy. I don't know. It's amazing how so many of these symptoms uh, can often be dismissed as just having you know maybe you're just working too hard or being a single you just mom can't is get your shit to together. You. Yeah. yeah. So she goes to the doctor and they're so dismissive of her. Now, mind you, Selma Blair ostensibly has every privilege afforded to her. Yeah. She is a thin, white, famous actress. Yeah. So she's wealthy as well. Mm -hmm. So you would imagine she's going to very good doctors who are still dismissive of her. Yeah. So imagine if you don't have all of these privileges afforded to you, trying to be taken seriously. Like, the fact that Serena Williams almost died yeah. during pregnancy because she knew something was wrong and doctors would not take her seriously yeah. is wild. I know. And it's like, that's the, and she's talked a lot about that too, that, that being, if she had that trouble, imagine how hard it is for black women who yeah. don't have that level of, that if, if one of the, if bleh, the most famous athlete in the world and maybe the fa most greatest athlete of all time. Yeah can almost die because uh, people don't take her seriously. Like it goes, shows you, I mean like, and study after study after study shows that if you're a woman, you're going to have a harder time getting diagnosed, especially right. if it's something that doesn't, especially if the, if it's an issue that is neurological and is hard to test for and also involves having to describe pain mm -hmm. because women are often not taken seriously when they talk about having pain. Yeah. Um, and so like adding anything onto being a woman makes it tough. Right. So, yeah. But I wanted to shout out Selma Blair because she uh, did this interview with Vanity Fair where she came out as having multiple sclerosis and she just used her platform for so many great things. Like she obviously advocated for women, um, you know, being taken seriously by their doctors when they come to them with these problems but also she went after the fashion industry where mm -hmm. she was like I don't have as many fashion options right now because I'm yeah. a person with a disability well and, and she talks pretty openly about how difficult it is for her to do things like physically put clothes on and how that's changed what she can wear right. yeah. um, which is honestly a thing I hadn't really thought that much yeah. about and I, I was a little ashamed of it but realizing oh yeah okay like yeah um, but I thought it was so great because it's like uh, there's a million reasons why there's this stigma, like why an actress wouldn't want to be so visible publicly yeah. with her cane. Yeah. And she just she looked amazing. She fucking rocked it. It's so important for people to see her. Mm -hmm. And it, but it took a lot of bravery to do. It, and I thought yeah. she's just awesome. I'm so glad she did it. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and then I think right afterwards, she did an interview on like Good Morning America or something. And yeah, so she was yeah. like visibly suffering from different effects and was yeah. having a flare up and so describing this. But you can see her like really struggling. And it, um, I was trying it's to like think of like for other, her, her voice is being yeah, affected. Yeah, um, yeah. But trying to think about other instances where people, have had diagnoses like this and then have been public about it. Well, I and immediately I thought time, I was well, like, Michael, J. Michael Fox, J. Fox, I don't who know if actually, I can think of other people. Uh, she called him early on when she was uh, oh, starting wow. to yeah. think she had MS. She called him for advice and she said he was amazing. Mm -hmm. So like shout out to Michael J. Fox and also Sarah Michelle Gellar knew really early on yeah. and had her back a and thousand I, percent. I just cannot say enough about how happy it makes me that those two girls made cruel intentions oh, and have stayed besties forever i love it so much also really makes you wonder what kind of bitch reese witherspoon was you know here's what i think about reese witherspoon let's end this episode with <laughs> some hot <laughs> hot goss so i think she was a monster in her early days and mm -hmm. i think she sort of had a come to jesus moment that culminated with that uh her do you know who i am do you when know who i am yeah, like, when her husband got pulled over for the oh, DUI. And yeah. then she was like, oh, I'm a monster. Yeah. And this could actually tank my career because people hate me so much. Yeah. And she has now just like worked with Oprah a bunch and supported um, diverse uh, voices. And I think I think she's turned a new leaf. Yeah, I mean, she definitely had like all of the hallmarks of I'm a very prissy Southern Belle. Mm -hmm. Um, which was why it was so hilarious because she was so sanctimonious back when she f was in Cruel Intentions and she married Ryan Phillippe because she was knocked up and that was like a big scandal because yes, she was I very remember. much like I don't I don't have sex or whatever. Uh -huh. um, except that one time when I got pregnant. <laughs> except when I got super pregnant right away. Uh, and then yeah, I think she like was really 
she just has like the I'm the mean lady who has tea on the veranda yes. and there's a which is great for Big Little Lies she yeah. thrives on that show well and I think I, I totally think it's great I like her so much more now that she's in her 40s than I did when she was in her 20s yeah because now it's earned when she's yeah. a bitch now I'm like I get it yeah because I now it's like hashtag goals mm-hmm. whereas before I was like what's this attitude 18 year old yeah yeah although she's great in election still <gasps> such a perfect she's movie so good. although she's a total villain in that so so, yeah. Do we love Reese Witherspoon? Fuck, maybe we Fuck, do. I think we do. All right, oh, well, this yeah. episode's devoted to Reese Witherspoon. We love you so much. Guys, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Please follow me. I'm on Twitter as well, at Allison Kilkenny. Why not go to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny right now, sign up at the $5 a month level, or dare I ask it, the $10 a month level. There's also a $50 a month level, and you get a handwritten letter from me every month and all the other benefits. It's a great time. Go do that right now. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your weekend. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. Bye. Bye. 